In today's video, a man checks his security camera late at night and sees his wife standing on the front porch, smiling creepily up at the camera. She tells him to unlock the door, but the man stops when he notices she looks different. I'm writing this in my neighbor's house where we're currently waiting for the police. I suppose I'll tell them the same thing I told Jack when I came banging on his door this morning. I can't exactly tell them the truth. They wouldn't believe a word of it, and I can't say I'd blame them. I'm not sure why I'm even telling you, except you may be the only people who would believe me, and I have to tell someone, or I think I'll lose my mind. For context, my house sits on a good amount of land that sits next to a large open field to the left of it. There's a few acres of trees beyond the field, a small forest as my wife likes to say. Our closest neighbor, Jack, lives about a mile and a half down the road, so we pretty much have all the space to ourselves, our own little pocket of paradise, beautiful and safe. Well, that's how I used to think of it. Now I don't feel safe here. Not at all. It's tainted to me now, and I don't know what to do. I've never seen anything like this before. If anyone reading this has ever been in a similar situation, or possibly knows what it could be, and most importantly, what I can do, please reach out. Last spring, Michelle, my wife, thought it would be a good idea to get one of those doorbell cameras. We'd had some things go missing, as well as some minor destruction on our property. Nothing too serious, just a few broken flower pots and some missing lawn ornaments. I tried to tell her it was probably some teenagers from town, just finding something exciting to do, but she wouldn't hear of it. She didn't care about the flower pots or lawn ornaments that much, but she didn't want the situation to escalate into a home invasion. I thought that was a little dramatic, but I knew when to keep my mouth shut. So we bought the camera, and I installed it the same day, right up by our porch lights so that we could get a view of the front door and as much of the front of our property in the shot as possible. After two days, we finally solved the mystery of the missing lawn decor. You probably already figured it out. If you guessed two raccoons, you'd be dead on. It was kind of hilarious watching them scooping up my wife's solar garden lights and carrying them off on two legs watching them running away with those bright blue bulbs in their hands like two little burglars was pretty funny. They even looked the part with those masks. Even Michelle couldn't keep a straight face. I wondered what they were doing with all the stolen goods, maybe sprucing up their digs out in the forest. Michelle started putting out bowls of cat nibble, and amazingly, the thievery stopped. We still kept the camera up though. Turns out it would come in handy. Michelle has been out of town for work for the last four days. She was supposed to be home last night around dinner, but called to tell me the plane had been delayed and she wouldn't be home until 4am or later. I told her I loved her and I'd see her when she came home. And that was that. It was an average night. Nothing out of the ordinary. I straightened up the house so she wouldn't come home to a disaster. I made some soup for dinner and fed the cat. After, me and Mona curled up on the couch together, me watching TV while she purred on my chest. I went to sleep around 2am. I'd only slept a little over an hour before I was woken up by an alert on my phone. A notification for the security camera. 
Now, it wasn't unusual to get an alert, especially late at night. It was always some little critter, a fox or raccoon. But I grabbed my phone off my nightstand to check anyway. It was well after 2, and my immediate thought was that Michelle had gotten home earlier than she thought she would. I laid there listening for the sound of Michelle letting herself in, but it never came. Only silence. I groaned, figuring she'd forgotten her keys. Wouldn't be the first time. She was notorious for leaving them behind. Probably forgot them at the hotel or airport. I didn't jump right up to check though, as I still hadn't heard her knock. So I opened the app and pulled up the live feed. Michelle was standing on the front porch, just staring at the door. I sat up, about to go let her in, when something stopped me. It was her face. She was smiling. Not just any smile, but one that I'd never seen before. A weird, thin-lipped grin that stretched the width of her face, like someone trying to show off all their teeth. She stayed that way for a long moment, like a creepy mannequin. After a minute, her lips slowly puckered out into a pout, as though she were an upset toddler. She held that expression for a minute, then her lips dropped downwards, and a deep-set frown etched across her forehead. I sat there in bed, staring at my wife, practicing different facial expressions, as if she were brand new at such a concept. It was bizarre, and a little unsettling. She continued to go through each movement, seeming to take her time with each one. Smile. Pout. Frown. Repeat. After watching her for nearly 15 minutes, I finally recovered from my shock and confusion and pressed the intercom. Uh, babe? What on earth are you doing? I said. Her head snapped towards the camera, looking up at it with wide eyes. It was as if she'd forgotten the camera was even there. Her mouth was partially hanging open on one side, caught between a smile and a frown. She didn't answer me only continued to stare, her face frozen in that disturbing look. I waited for a long moment, unsure how to proceed. The longer I watched her, the more I realized just how strange she looked. I didn't notice at first, being half asleep, but now that I was wide awake, it was so obvious that I wondered how I couldn't have noticed immediately. For starters, she seemed much taller. The top of her head came to just over the little rod we use to hang our different holiday flags, the one I have to stand on my tiptoes to be able to reach. That wasn't the only odd thing about her. Her arms were much too long, hanging down past her knees. Even her face was different. It resembled her enough that it wasn't instantly noticeable. But when I really looked, I could see that her face seemed more narrow, as if it had been stretched from the top of her head to her jaw. And the skin looked too tight, as if it were two sizes too small, the bones underneath pushing hard against the flesh. I was beginning to panic at that point. 
I didn't know if she'd been in some horrible accident or what, but I knew something was very wrong with her. Honey, are you hurt? I asked, my voice shaking. In response to my question, Michelle stamped her foot down on the porch, hard, shaking her head. Before I could say anything else, she reached out and took hold of the doorknob and jiggled it fiercely. I was instantly filled with dread at the mere thought of her getting in. I'm not letting you inside, I said quickly. I could hear her jiggling the knob frantically, her face still staring up at the camera. She finally let go after a few minutes and made a sound almost like laughing. The sound of it made my skin crawl. I'm home, she said. Her voice, like her face, was similar, but not a complete match. I'm home. Open the door. I almost closed the app and called 911 right there and then. But I'll admit, I was afraid my wife was having some kind of medical emergency. Maybe I should call for help, I said. She shook her head again, her long hair whipping from side to side. Then something happened, and that image will stick with me for the rest of my life. Michelle, or the thing that was desperately trying to be her, seemed to stretch right in front of my eyes. Her torso thinned out and grew so that her head slid against the ceiling. Its skin looked so tight that I could actually hear it pulling, wobbling, and rubber-like. It had obvious trouble staying on two feet, but it managed. It tried to close its mouth, but it couldn't do it completely, and its jaw just sort of hung there against its chest. I'm calling the police, I said, fear overwhelming me. The moment the words left my mouth, her face twisted in a look of pure hatred. It was like I could feel it radiating through the screen. I'd never seen such hate and rage in my life, certainly not on my wife's face. Quick as a flash, she dropped down onto the porch and crawled down the steps and onto the lawn. I watched in horror as she crawled towards the field, her long arms bent at sickening angles. She reached the edge of the field and disappeared in the tall grass. I sat watching the screen, my heart racing. I was too afraid to look away for even a moment. After an hour without seeing her again, I finally felt safe enough to set the phone down and try to sleep. I thought about calling my wife, but part of me was too scared I'd hear that poor imitation on the other end. I fell into a restless sleep sometime later. I didn't sleep long before my phone woke me again. Another notification. I pulled up the app and held my breath, terrified at what I'd see. When the feed came up, I knew right away I was looking at my wife. Relief flooded my body. She was standing on the porch, her suitcase at her feet, as she rummaged through her purse, probably searching for her keys. Lost your keys again? I said, pressing the intercom. She jumped at the sound of my voice, almost dropping her purse. You're up. She said, smiling. Looks like I have lost my keys. Mind letting me in? 
She batted her eyes up at the camera. I couldn't help but smile. She always had a way of making me feel completely at ease, even after witnessing a nightmare just hours prior. Well, I suppose I wouldn't be a very good husband if I let you sleep on the porch all night. I teased. She grinned up at me, and I told her to hang on. I sat up and slipped on my slippers and got to my feet. And that's when I caught some movement on the screen. Far off in the field, a head rose up from the grass, standing tall on a neck much too long to come from anything human. A whimper escaped my lips, and I nearly dropped my phone. I was glued to the floor, unable to look away from that thing watching my house. The head bobbed slightly. Then the body rose upwards to meet the head, like a slinky sliding back in position. It stood in the field watching, and then to my terror, it began shuffling quickly towards the house on jerky legs. I couldn't help but scream. It was coming for my wife, and it was coming fast, even with its unstable gait. I ran down the hall, dropping my phone in the process skipping steps as I raced down them. I lost my footing when I hit the bottom and skidded across the front hall, colliding into the front door. I was screaming incoherently, fumbling with the locks. I could hear my wife's concerned voice asking me what was wrong. Then just as I was working to flip the deadbolt, I heard her scream, this time in pure fear. I finally managed to flip the deadbolt and rip the door open, taking a handful of her jacket and yanking her inside, locking the door behind her. I leaned against the door, panning hard. I heard a muffled thump on the porch, but then it was quiet. My wife was scared, pale, and nearly in tears. She refused to talk about what she'd seen and didn't want to see the footage of the thing on our porch. I let her get some sleep, assuring her that the house was secure. I stayed up, checking the windows and the live feed. I watched the field for any sign of that thing, but it seemed like it was gone. Soon after Michelle went to sleep, I decided to look at the video to see if I could tell where it went off to. I was scared to see it again. Maybe that's why I waited. I pulled up the video and watched that thing shambling across the field towards my house, its long arms outstretched and a look of longing on its face. Its smile was terrible the closer it got. I saw my wife on the screen growing worried as she heard me screaming through the house, totally unaware of the danger she was in of the thing that was just mere feet behind her. I could barely make it out through the entire video, watching it get closer and closer. Just as it reached the porch, I could hear myself trying to unlock the door. But seconds before I pulled it open, those long arms reached out, gripping my wife by her shoulders and ripping her backwards off the porch my wife able to scream only once. I didn't see what it did with her, but I did see it step up onto the porch. It put itself in front of the door, its limbs adjusting to a more human appearance. Just before my hand shot out to pull it inside, 
That thing grinned up at the camera, its lips stretched impossibly wide. For a moment, I almost didn't believe it. It was as if my brain wouldn't allow it. But as I stood in the hallway, attempting to process what I'd seen, and what that meant, I heard the unmistakable sound of something shuffling up behind me. I ran then. I didn't look behind me. I didn't want to see what I knew I would see, something eerily similar to my wife, with gangly limbs and skin stretched taut over sharp bones. I knew if I looked back, my mind would snap, and I'd never recover. I ran faster than I ever have, tearing off out of the house and down the road, too terrified to look back even once, sure that I'd see those long arms desperately reaching for me. I made it to my neighbor's house and pounded on the door. I told him that there was an intruder. I didn't know what else to say. He'd never believe the truth. We went back to my house armed with a rifle. But of course the house was empty. We couldn't find Michelle either. All we found were what looked like drag marks through my lawn, running right through the field. I didn't have to look at the video to know what made those tracks. We searched the field and the woods, but didn't find much other than some strands of hair that looked an awful lot like Michelle's. The hair was high up on a branch in a tree that would be extremely difficult to climb. Jack said it must have been a bird that had done it, flew the hair up there for nesting material. I guess he didn't see the blood splatter along the trunk. We eventually went back to Jack's place and called the police. Jack thought it best. I agreed, but I know it won't make much of a difference. Michelle is long gone by now. I just hope she didn't suffer. The guilt I feel for not saving her, for not knowing that thing wasn't my wife, is so profound it aches to breathe. I deleted the videos. I couldn't bear to watch them again. I think my mind would have broke completely if I had. The police are here now, finally done with their search of the woods. I guess I'll have to go through the motions. It's not like I have any other choice. Not unless I want to spend the rest of my days in a padded room. Although considering the alternative, it's not that bad of an idea. If you have any experience with this, or have any clue what I should do if it comes back, please let me know. I have a strong suspicion that it will be back, and God knows who it'll look like then. Because my neighbor Jack's been acting a bit jittery ever since we came back from the woods, and it may just be my imagination, brought on by stress and grief. But Jack's skin seems to be stretched a little too thin 